0: Good morning. It's Sunday, April the 5th, the beginning of Passion Week. In the space of eight days, Sunday to Sunday, Jesus goes from his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, Palm Sunday, to his death by crucifixion, Good Friday, to his resurrection to life again, Easter Sunday. Today I'd like to share for a few moments about Jesus' crucifixion, the cross. There's no doubt that the cross stands forth as the central theme of the Bible. The Old Testament contains over 60 prophecies about the Messiah that are fulfilled in the cross alone. The New Testament devotes more space to the cross than to any other topic. For example, in the Gospel of John, there are over seven chapters given to the last 24 hours of Jesus' life. That amounts to over one-third of the entire book. Usually in writing a biography, much attention is given to the person's achievements during his or her life, and very little, if anything, is said about the person's death. Not so with Jesus. In contrast, we find very little mention about the life of Jesus in proportion to the amount of detail recorded about his death on the cross. Why? Simply because of the central importance of the cross. Listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote. First Corinthians 1, verse 17. I do not fill my sermons with profound words and high-sounding ideas for fear of diluting the mighty power there is in the simple message of the cross. Don't miss that phrase. The simple message of the cross. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 and 2, I didn't use lofty words and brilliant ideas to tell you God's message, for I decided to concentrate only on what Jesus Christ and His death on the cross. Galatians 6, verse 14, God forbid that I should boast about anything or anybody except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. This morning, let's focus our time and energy on the cross and on the one who died there nearly 2,000 years ago. And as we do so, it seems to me that the simple message of the cross includes these four basic truths. First, the cross directs. The cross directs. Because the simple message of the cross is so centrally important, it grabs our attention in at least three ways. First, the cross directs us to God's Son, Jesus himself spoke of the magnetic power of the cross. In John 12 and verse 32, When I'm lifted up on the cross, I will draw everyone to me. Simply put, the cross directs us to God's Son. It reminds us that Jesus, the one and only Son of God, came to this world for one reason, to die in our place, to pay the price for our sin as our Savior. Second, the cross directs us to God's love. God is a God of love. In fact, he is perfect love himself. Without a doubt, when we look at the cross, it directs us to the love of God at its very best. Just listen to these scriptures. John 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. John 15, verse 13, The greatest love you can have for your friends is to give your life for them. Romans 5 verse 8, God showed how much he loved us by having Christ die for us even while we were sinful. 1 John 4 verses 9 through 11, this is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. This is the kind of love we're talking about. That he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage that they've done to our relationship with God. And then the cross directs us to God's plan. When we look upon the cross, we must realize that Jesus' death was no accident. God purposefully and intentionally sent Jesus to earth to die. It was God's divine plan from the very beginning of time. Revelation 13.8 tells us that Jesus was the lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. The cross points to God's eternal solution to our sin problem. So, first, the cross directs. It directs us to God's Son, God's love, and God's plan. Second, the cross divides. The cross divides. The simple message of the cross provides a distinct dividing line between people. The cross divided at Calvary. There were three crosses that day at Calvary, the place called Golgotha or the skull. There were two thieves crucified with Jesus one on the right and one on the left and it was the cross that proved to be the dividing line between them jesus was crucified in the middle now this was more than just a physical separation listen to luke 23 verses 39 through 43 one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him aren't you the christ save yourself and us But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you're under the same sentence? We're punished justly for we're getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you'll be with me in paradise. And so on one side, we find the thief who accepts Jesus. And on the other side, we find the thief who rejects him. A distinct contrast is made between these two criminals. And it's the cross of Jesus that was the dividing factor between them. The cross still divides today. On the one side, we find those who follow Jesus. On the other side, we find those who choose another way. On the one side, we find those who are Christians. On the other side, we find those who are lost in sin and it's the cross of Christ that makes the difference. It divides people into two distinct groups today. Paul makes this division even clearer in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 18. The message about the cross doesn't make any sense to lost people, but for us who are being saved, it is God's power at work. Here we see the two divisions described. First, there is that group of people who reject the good news about the cross of Jesus, believing it doesn't make any sense. And second, there is that group of people who accept the good news about the cross of Jesus, believing it's the only sensible solution for salvation. Yes, the cross still divides today. And the cross will divide eternally. In Matthew 25, Jesus describes what will take place at the judgment when all people stand before God. He will divide them into two groups, just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He'll put the righteous people at his right and the others at his left. He'll say to the people on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my Father, come and possess the kingdom. He'll say to those on his left, Away from me, you that are under God's curse, away to the eternal fire. Again, we see two groups of people. On the one side are the sheep. On the other side are the goats. On the one side are the saved. On the other side are the lost. And what will be the dividing factor between the two? What will determine who spends eternity in heaven and who spends eternity in hell? each person's individual response to the cross. So second, the cross divides. In the past, at Calvary, in the present, today, and in the future, eternity. The cross directs, the cross divides. Next, the cross dams. The cross dams. Now, for some, that may seem like a pretty strong statement. But it's an important part of the simple message of the cross, and it must not be overlooked. You see, the cross demonstrates God's perspective on sin. Because of what God did in sending Jesus to die on the cross, it's clear that God hates sin. God hates sin because sin is a transgression of His law. 1 John 3 verse 4 tells us, the person who sins breaks God's law. Yes, sin is living against God's law. God hates sin because sin is of the devil. 1 John 3, verse 8 puts it this way, When people keep on sinning, it shows they belong to the devil who has been sinning from the very beginning. And God hates sin because sin results in eternal death. James 1.15 says it clearly, When sin is finished with us, it leaves us dead. The cross damns it. Demonstrates God's perspective on sin. I mean, no wonder God hates sin. It's a transgression of his law. It's straight from the devil himself. And it results in eternal death. The cross also demonstrates God's punishment of sin. Paul writes in Philippians 3, verses 18 and 19, For many walk, of whom I have often told you, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction. Bible is very clear that those who are not Christians described here as enemies of the cross are headed for destruction. You see, God is holiness. Holiness demands that all sin be punished by the death penalty. There are no loopholes in this death sentence. Those who reject Jesus' death on the cross for their sins must pay the penalty of death themselves. There are no exceptions. In other words, God will punish sin and We have a choice. By faith in Jesus' finished work on the cross, we can let Jesus pay the price for us now. Or by foolish rebellion, we will pay the price, the death penalty, ourselves later. So third, the cross damns. God hates sin, and all sin must be punished by death, eternal separation from God in heaven, being punished for all of eternity in hell. Okay, the cross directs, the cross divides, the cross damns. Now, we come to the very best part of the simple message of the cross, and that is the cross delivers. The cross delivers. Hooray! Shout it from the rooftops. Hallelujah! The cross delivers. Now, this is good news. Notice two things about this deliverance with me. First, the cross defines God's purpose for us deliverance is god's purpose not damnation jesus summed up the purpose of his death on the cross this way john 3 verses 17 and 18 god did not send his son into the world to condemn it but to save it there's no eternal doom awaiting those who trust him you see (coughs) that's god's purpose for us salvation not condemnation deliverance not damnation I had someone recently ask me, how could a loving God send a person to hell for eternity? That doesn't make any sense. And I asked in return, how could a lost person bound to spend eternity in hell refuse to take the free gift of eternal life that God offers through Jesus Christ? Now that's what doesn't make any sense. The cross defines God's purpose for us. The cross also defines God's provision for us. At the cross, God provided three things for our deliverance. First, God provided a replacement for us. Hebrews 2 verse 9 tells us that by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone in all the world. When Jesus died on the cross, he tasted death in our place. He was a substitute for us. It should have been me. It should have been you nailed to the cross. But Jesus took our place. And as our replacement, he paid the death penalty for our sin, providing us with deliverance. And then God provided a ransom for us. In essence, we were kidnapped by Satan, captives to sin. We were in the world's pawn shop and owed a debt that we ourselves could not even begin to pay. Not one of us could redeem himself or herself. Not a single person could set himself or herself free. But praise God, there was one who could pay the ransom, Jesus. 1 Timothy 2 and verse 6 tells us that Jesus gave himself as a ransom for all. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 20 explains that we've been bought with a price. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the ransom price in full. Jesus did something for us that we could not do for ourselves. He delivered us. Finally, God provided righteousness for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us, Christ was without sin, but for our sake God made him share our sin in order that in union with him we might share the righteousness of God. 1 Peter 2.24 puts it this way, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. When Jesus was crucified, he took our sins upon himself. And as our sinless sin bearer, He removed our unrighteousness and covered us with His righteousness instead. And so now we have a right standing with God through Jesus' deliverance. So here's the incredibly good news. The cross delivers. God's purpose for us is full and complete deliverance. And He has provided the way for us through Jesus' death on the cross. The simple message of the cross includes these four basic truths. The cross directs, the cross divides, the cross dams, and the cross delivers. What I wanted to do today was lead you to the cross where His blood was poured out for you. And I hope and pray that you have come to the cross. I hope that you have embraced Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. He loves you and His arms are open wide to you if you'd like to know more about how to know Jesus personally, I encourage you to go to our website, SpringvilleNaz.com, and click on About, and then in the About drop-down, click on Becoming a Christian. It explains the gospel for you there.